You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today, I have Jim Marcus on the line. Now, Jim hosts the Frugal Living podcast, a podcast for smart shoppers and savers, which we all are, right? Um, He works as an editor at Brad's Deals, where he evaluates and negotiates deals for bargain hunters. He worked as a mortgage banker during the financial crisis in 2007 and in recruitment during the ensuing economic recovery. So you know we are about to get into (laughs) this current mortgage stuff that's going on. But thank you so much, Jim, for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's just hop right in, okay? Um, Because I recently was just talking to my audience about how the housing market, so they say, has gone into a recession. And we all know how, you know, inflated the prices have been here lately, the craziness that was going on with the bidding and everything. So let's just start at the basics. So when it comes to mortgages, okay, what type of mortgages are available for people to have? There are a slew of different types of mortgages. So like if you're looking to buy a house, I think a lot of people have this kind of antiquated mindset of, well, I need to have 20% of the purchase price to be able to put down. And that's not a bad thing to start with. Like a conventional loan with 20% down is totally something that still happens. And if you can afford it, that's great. But a lot of people I talk to, you know, especially a lot of younger people think 20% down. Where am I going to get this kind of money? You don't need that. That's not always necessary. You can put down less. In, on a conventional mortgage, that means you'll pay more, like you'll pay PMI, private mortgage insurance. But there's also like FHA loans, where you can put down as little as 3 to 5%. So significantly lower, you know, on a $100,000 house, you could pay 20%, $20,000 up front, or you could pay three to 5000 So there are lots of different ways to get a mortgage, and there's lots of different mortgages available. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for mentioning that, because I actually got my house on FHA and I did not um, because when I bought it, it was what, 110. And of course, I did not have 20,000 plus dollars to put down because it was just me as a single mom of two boys. And I didn't have family help. So I was like, okay, well, what other routes are there? And FHA came up and I was able to put that down payment down and also the credit scores too. Cause a lot of people come to me and they're like, Oh, I don't think my credit score is good enough. And you know, this, that, and the other, but like, what's the minimum credit score or approximately, I know it depends um, that people can have to actually qualify for a mortgage. That's a good question. And I, I hate to divert like the answer. I, I, I wish I can give you like one number, like you need to have a 600, but you don't like, there's a scale and it's never going to be healthy to focus on what your credit score is. When I worked in mortgages, one of the most baffling things would be people calling in, trying to get qualified for a mortgage and then telling me what they thought their credit score was. But the thing is there's three credit bureaus. You have three different scores. (laughs) Your score is an amalgamation of those three. It's, it's usually the middle one is what we choose to go with. So instead of focusing on what specific score you have, it's better to understand that 
the better credit you have, the lower your rate on your mortgage, and the more likely you'll be to be approved for a loan. So if you have damaged credit or bruised credit, fixing that is usually the biggest way to save in the long term on your mortgage. Yes, yes, I completely agree. Luckily, when I um, was getting my house, I, you know, my credit was pretty much you know, great. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't have any credit card debt. I think I only had like one house. I mean, not one house. Ooh, I wish um, <laughs> I had like one car. Um, so it was really good. And I was able to get a gr- great rate, which I'm now locked in for because it was a fixed rate mortgage. So, you know, highly recommend what Jim is saying. Work on your um, credit report. Make sure that everything is A1 before you go try to get a mortgage because it will help you big time in the long term. Now, now that we've you know talked about just the basics of mortgages, let's talk about what's going on now. Um, <laughs> because as I kind of prefaced earlier in the episode, you know, it's been a wild ride here <laughs> for the housing industry. So, what are some things that you've seen or would like to let the audience know about what's going on. Sure. Right now, the thing that everyone's talking about is interest rates. So the the Fed, which controls the federal funds rate, has the ability to raise and lower that rate. And that rate ties into everything you pay. So it'll, it'll tie into your credit card payment. It'll tie into what mortgage rates are available to you in any given time. Not so much to you and me if we've locked in our mortgage rates and we're not planning to refinance changes in rates don't really apply to us. But if you've got an adjustable rate mortgage, an ARM, that is something to really consider. <laughs> a lot of people get ARMs because you can get a lower initial rate, but that rate will adjust every three, five, or seven years. And if you see what we're seeing now, where interest rates are rising, your house payment can go up significantly. That's what we saw for a lot of people back in the housing crisis, back in 2008, 2009. People saw incredible jumps, like balloon payments on their uh, mortgage rates. They couldn't pay their mortgages, and that led to a lot of foreclosures. So where we are now is a really interesting spot. Obviously, the housing market has been on fire recently. Just incredible. Like, Like I've never seen in the past two years. Like you mentioned... One of my neighbors was looking for a house. They were moving out of a rental into their first home. And they put in offers on 30 different properties. And they were outbid on everything. People were paying tens of thousands of dollars above asking price, which is mind-boggling. But that's part of what led to the inflation that we're seeing this year. Inflation is, again, almost unprecedented. And the way that the Fed fights inflation is by raising that rate. So the federal funds rate goes up, mortgage rates go up. Hopefully, house prices stop going up. Hopefully, people stop bidding tens and twenties of thousands of dollars over asking price because when your interest rate goes up on a mortgage, even by a point, like 1%, your monthly payment can go up astronomically. It's a huge, huge thing to consider. The, the interest rate in your mortgage is something that I think a lot of people undervalue. This is something that affects your daily life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to hit on a couple of points there because luckily I did refinance last year, right before they started going up. So I was able to lock in an even lower rate than what I had um, back in 2017 when I first 
applied. Um, but then also this year I was thinking, I was like, well, dang, maybe I should sell because I was looking at, um, you know, the house values and things like that. And like my neighbor, a couple doors down who has the exact same house as I do. Um, she was able to get like two, I think it was like two ten cash, um, for hers. And I was like, well, I only owe like a hundred. I'm like, that's a big gain. Um, but then I was like, well, where am I going to go? Um, because if I sell it, then I probably won't be able to get into something else. And rental prices are high, especially in my area. Um, around that time when I was evaluating, I called the apartment complex that I used to live at right before I moved into my house and they were already double what I used to pay. Right. (laughs) I said, Oh no, I'm staying put. Um, (laughs) So I just wanted to share that with the audience too. You know, really there's no way to tell how the market's going to go. You kind of just have to guess. (laughs) Like last year, I would have never known that this year that interest rates were going to go up, you know? Um, So you know, it's just, you got to jump in on deals when you can. Um, But then also I wanted to hit on the point that um, because knowing your background and how you worked on mortgages during the last financial crisis, um, how are you feeling about this one? Like, do you feel like it's similar, you know, or a little different or what are your thoughts around that? Great question. So, I mean, good, good news, bad news. Bad news, we can't predict the future. Like there, you know, there was a pandemic, a global pandemic that affected the whole economy that no one could predict, right? Like that just happened in 2007, 2008. We saw an unprecedented situation in the housing crisis that again, affected the whole world's economy. Hey, it's Tiffany. Are you interested in starting a podcast? We can get up to two months of free podcasting service from Lipson with the code MONEYTALK. Get your show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify anywhere you want. Get critical stats to help you grow. Find all the tools and support you need to sound your very best. And you can even do video. Really bring your podcast to life with Lipson. You can use code, again, MONEYTALK to get two months of free podcasting service. This is what I use to get my podcast to your listening ears. Enjoy. The good news is a lot of regulations have gone in place since 2007 that should prevent a lot of those things we saw happen from happening again. Like I worked in mortgages back then. My wife works in mortgages now. And one of our favorite conversations when it comes to work is... She talks about the kind of loans that we used to be able to sell back when I worked in mortgages that are fairy tales now. Stated income, stated asset was a thing we used to be able to sell, where if your your credit rating was good enough, you you had near perfect credit, you could say, hey, I'm an investor for a living, or I'm a gambler, or whatever. Here's how much I make. And we'd say, great, your credit score speaks for itself. We don't need documentation to show how much you're making. Uh, and we'd be able to process that loan. No longer. Like, underwriters are like, no, that's insanity. What That doesn't make any sense at all. Prove it. If what you're saying is true, that's great. We can give you a good rate. We can give you a solid mortgage. But we need to have proof that you can pay it back. So those types of regulations became just industry standard. And one thing people, especially, you know, people like you and me, we're interested in buying a house where we can live, where we can raise our family, where we can maybe build some equity, maybe sell that in the future as an investment. 
But banks, the people who write these mortgages, they look at investments, uh, they look at mortgages as investments. They look at mortgages as, I want to sell you this mortgage, I will give you whatever rate is available, and then I'm going to immediately sell that mortgage to someone else. That investment goes elsewhere. And if you've ever bought a house, this shouldn't sound too uh, strange. You'll notice that where you're sending your mortgage checks sometimes changes. That means your mortgage has been sold to another processor, and it's very normal. It's very normal in the industry. But the cool thing that's happening now is the people buying those mortgages from, you know, maybe you got your mortgage through Chase or Quicken Loans or wherever. Whoever buys your mortgage, they aren't going to buy it unless there's documentation that you can pay it back. So if your initial mortgage underwriter didn't ask for your proof of income or your proof of assets, they're not going to be able to sell that loan. So now all of them ask for that because they need it if they want to be able to sell it. That's how they make their money. That's how they protect themselves from downsides. So the whole industry's changed pretty significantly. Uh, and if you're a mortgage nerd like me, like that's really exciting. But it's also important to understand as just an everyday home buyer that we should be a lot more protected from the downsides we saw back then. But that doesn't mean there's not other you know, terrifying things coming on the horizon. I just don't know what those are. Right, right. And, and, you know, like we've been saying, you can't really predict the future. I do know, like with this time, though, um, unemployment isn't as drastic as it was back then. So, you know, people are still hiring. Um, I have read a few articles and, you know, heard a few podcasts like NPR or whatever that was saying that some companies are starting to slow down on hiring. You know, some companies are starting to lay off people a little bit, but it's definitely, you know, from what I know now, granted, I was you very young um, during that time. Um, but from what I know, um, it's not as bad as then. Um, so that is a good indicator as well, because at least people are still getting to keep their job or move to better jobs or what have you um, while this is going on. So, you know, personally, I feel like it's not as bad right now. Um, like I said, I can't predict the future, but <laughs> I think right now, I don't think this is like a 2008, 2009 thing. Oh, um, no way. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That, that is one thing I think we can, we can sleep easier at night with exactly what you're saying. Like unemployment is still at historic lows. Like unemployment is very low across the U.S. right now. And while it probably will tick up in the coming months, it's still not going to be anywhere near probably like half you know, maybe lower than half of what it was in 2009. So you're totally right. You know, even with layoffs, there are other opportunities out there and that should help protect a lot of our economy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when, okay, so let's just jump back to mortgages real quick. <laughs> I know we're kind of like veering off, but I think these are good conversations to have, um, especially for my audience who is generally not really tapped into what's going on um, in the financial world like that. So um, when it comes to the mortgages and stuff, what do you suggest? And I know it depends, um, but for people that still haven't bought a house yet, um, you know, they were getting priced out at the beginning of the year. Um, they're still wanting to get a house at some point. Um, what are your thoughts around that? Like, what should people be doing now to prepare? Or if they're ready, should they go ahead and pull the trigger? Or, you know, just what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, great question. I mean, I think it's great news right now for buyers. If, if you're trying to sell your house right now and you, 
you look at what happened in the past year, you're probably banging your head against a wall thinking, oh my, why didn't I sell? Uh, as a buyer, that's great. So yeah, higher rates, like mortgage rates are, are higher than they were a year or two ago. But again, that's those rates were crazy low. The great news for buyers, if you're looking to buy your first house right now, you have all the bargaining chips. Like you have, there are so many fewer buyers right now because a lot of people were that were thinking about buying homes were pricing their mortgages at 3% interest rates or 2.5% interest rates. As a buyer, you're holding all of the chips. All the bargaining chips are in your corner right now. A lot of the buyers a year ago or two years ago were pricing their mortgages. They were figuring out how much of a house they could buy based on 25 or 3% interest rates. But those aren't available now. I don't care how good your credit is. Even if you work in the industry, you're not getting a 3% rate right now. If Maybe you can get a 5%. Maybe you can get a 6%. Depending on where your credit is and where the Fed has decided to drop their rate right now, you're going to be paying more this year than you were last year for a mortgage. So a lot of other buyers are falling out because the houses that they loved now seem unaffordable. You know, they thought they could buy a $500,000 house, but now they can only afford a $300,000 house or a $100,000 house. So you as a buyer, walk in with that knowledge, understand that there are fewer buyers and those sellers are going to be a lot more desperate to make concessions. People might lower their price or if they're really hung up on price when you're negotiating for a house, ask for concessions on repairs. Like it, it used to be a year ago, you would tour a house pay above asking price and then buy it as is, you know, no, no repairs needed. Now you go in and you see a roof that needs to be repaired, get a credit at closing to have that covered, negotiate that way. And if you're not comfortable negotiating, ask someone who is, I'd say, ask your realtor. But one thing when you're buying houses, almost everyone you work with is incentivized to sell you a higher priced house than you want. Your realtor gets paid a portion of the purchase price. That means they're not incentivized to get you a lower price. They're incentivized to get you a higher price. Even if they're your realtor, that is their pay is based on the price of the house. So probably not the best negotiation partner in your realtor. Same with your mortgage banker or your mortgage officer. Oftentimes they'll get paid based on the price of your loan. So while the difference between like an $80,000 and $100,000 loan might not be huge to a mortgage banker, a difference between a $400,000 and a $500,000 home is. So choose your negotiation partners and uh, coaches with that in mind. If you're paying them, unless you're paying them a flat rate, don't trust them on negotiations. <laughs> uh, but again, you've got the cards. You've got, you've got all the chips right now. It's a buyer's market. It's a great time to buy a house. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you made that point. Now, Granted, like I'm glad that I have the team that I have because they're always looking out like, you know, for instance, the mortgage originator that I work with, um, he's phenomenal, but he's like, Tiffany, eh, I don't know if you should do that right now. Or, eh, you know, I don't think that's a good move, you know, so it's not all about money. And then also with my real estate agent that I use, she is very like gung ho, like for you, <laughs> like it's not about the money. Um, so if I had to give any advice, try to surround yourself with the team that is actually looking out for you. Now, as Jim said, you have to be careful because everybody's incentivized, you know, 
with commission and stuff, but um, there are some good ones out there. Um, and so, you know, just try to do your best with trying to find those. Um, and that's why, you know, my little team, I'm like, all right, I might not need you now, but I'm gonna keep you in my back pocket, you know, in case something else comes up. Um, but thank you so much, Jim, for joining me on the show today. This was very informative and hopefully it gives our people looking for houses some, you know, hope that, you know, it's still possible and you can make it happen. Now, if people were interested in finding out more about you or learning more, um, where could they find you? Well, you can always listen to me if you like the sound of my voice at Frugal Living. So we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. I host Frugal Living. We have new episodes every week. And uh, actually, Tiffany's been a guest on the show. If you want to hear about her talking about paying off $50,000 in debt, which was awesome. We did two episodes on it. Happened earlier this year. Just check out our feed. I work at Brad's Deals, and that is a great resource if you're looking for deals on anything. So if you want deals on like groceries, check out Brad's Deals. Or if you're looking to like, you know, upgrade your home. If you don't want to buy a house this year, you just want to like make where you live better. Lots of deals in like patio furniture, living room furniture, rugs, you name it. New deals every day, sourced by real people just like me that is also worth checking out. Yes, for sure. You know, you all know how I do not like spending money. So I love <laughs> Brad's deals. Um, it's an awesome site. And like you said, check out Frugal Living. Awesome podcast. If you are interested in spending less, but getting more out of life, um, check it out. And we will make sure that we have all of those links in the show notes. So check that out as well. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming on the show today. And it's a pleasure speaking with you again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Awesome. Bye. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.